The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John, glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take everything that is mine and declare it to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. How can I know that I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit? How can I know in a moment of decision, at a fork in the road, in front of a complex dilemma, how can I know I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit? Well, to this promise I cling. John 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, just to be clear, this doesn't mean that the spirit of truth is going to give special knowledge on just anything or everything. As the English theologian John Owen says, he rarely will tell us about geographics and mathematics. But what Jesus is saying is that in the midst of decisions, in the midst of challenges, in the midst of moments that matter so much, I have a guide, and so do you if you're in Christ. And that guide lives within us. As we saw last week on the day of Pentecost, on Pentecost Sunday, in John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says these words about the spirit of truth. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. See, the promise that we cling to as Christians at time of decision, at moments of questioning, is that we have this promise of the spirit of truth, the guide. Oftentimes when we describe an experience of being led by the spirit of truth, by the Holy Spirit, we might use language like this. I was praying and I felt led or prompted to this conclusion. Or we might say it like this. All of a sudden, my thinking became clear and I knew what I was called to do. Or someone spoke a word over me and it had that ring of divine truth to it. Or I had a dream or a vision that I cannot shake. See, these experiences we have of being guided by the Holy Spirit are amazing, but they're not that simple because we must discern whether in fact they are from the Holy Spirit. You see, Spirit-filled Christians have an amazing ability to do dumb things. Spirit-filled Christians have an amazing capacity to make the wrong decisions. It's like the man who is sitting in Toronto at the Toronto Raptors NBA playoffs. 
And he looks over and he notices the seat between him and the next guy is empty. And he says to the guy, who would ever miss a playoff game with the NBA? And the man says, oh, I know. That seat is my wife's seat. We've been Raptors fans for 24 years. But sadly, she passed away. And the man said, oh, that's terrible. But surely couldn't you have, for the playoffs, got a friend or a family member to come and use the seat? And he said, no, they're all at her funeral. <laughs> we can make bad decisions. <laughs> Spirit-filled Christians can make bad decisions. And sometimes it's even worse because we'll then claim that those bad decisions were led by the Holy Spirit. How can I know that I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit? See, Jonathan Edwards, in 1741, in the midst of the Great Awakening, this incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit, lives were being changed, powerful manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Jonathan Edwards wrote about the marks that could demonstrate whether this was in fact a true movement of the Spirit. And one thing that Edward said is, here's how you can't discern whether it's truly of the Spirit. The depth of feeling, even at a physiological level, does not in itself determine that it's a movement of the Holy Spirit. Instead, he said there were three particular marks. And using alliteration, following John 16 here, these short words from Jesus. Jesus says exactly what these three marks can be. Marks that it truly is a movement of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus tells us in John 16 that the guidance of the Holy Spirit will always be consistent. Consistent internally within the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God does not contradict himself, and he certainly does not contradict his written word. He's consistent. But not only does the Holy Spirit guide us with consistency, John 16, Jesus goes on to say that the Holy Spirit guides us and will convict us in the process. That every time the Holy Spirit begins guiding an individual, sin, repentance, and faith is going to be part of that equation. We will always be led back to the cross by the Holy Spirit if it is the Holy Spirit in that moment of decision always will convict us. But not only does Jesus say this guidance by the Holy Spirit will be consistent and convicting, but always the guidance of the Holy Spirit will be Christ-glorifying. Jesus will always be magnified. Jesus will always be elevated. Jesus, in our eyes, will always be greater if, in fact, it is the Holy Spirit who is leading us. So first, the Holy Spirit's guidance is always consistent. See, verse 13 is one of the most abused verses by progressive liberal Christians. See, John 16, verse 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And this has been used as a defense by many to say, oh, what Jesus is saying is, Dear disciples, I've told you some things, but down the road I'm going to tell you other things through the Spirit that are different, 
are alternative from what you've heard before from me, and you know this verse is being pulled on, misinterpreted when someone says, the Spirit is doing a new thing. Because Jesus couldn't be saying anything more opposite. When you look at verse 13, for example, you see an interesting word right in the middle. It's the word for. Now, for the grammarians in the room, for the grammarians, this is a subordinating conjunction. For everyone else in the room, what that means is it's two ideas that are linked together by a word. And these two ideas, the, the first clause will be opened up and explained by the second clause. That's what the four means. See, what Jesus is saying, clause one, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Okay? Four, he will not speak on his own authority. In other words, the way we know it's the spirit of truth speaking is when he's not speaking on his own authority. And at first you can think that sounds like a demotion of the Holy Spirit. Oh, we can't just say whatever he wants? Actually, no. On Trinity Sunday where we affirm the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, what we are saying is the Holy Spirit will never speak on his own authority. He will only speak the same way the Son speaks and the same way the Father speaks. Consistency internally within the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see it right here in the text. Jesus says in verse 14, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what Jesus has, the Spirit will speak. And then Jesus in verse 15 says, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Do you follow the sequence? The Father speaks. The Son speaks the same. And then the Spirit speaks even the same. This is the consistency of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit speaking internally, eternally, consistently together. As Karl Barth, one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century, wrote this, he says, the Holy Spirit is not regarded, therefore, as a revelation independent of other inspired content. He's not a new instruction. He's not a new illumination. He's not a new stimulation that goes beyond Christ, beyond Christ's word. No, in every sense, the Holy Spirit is the instruction, the illumination, the stimulation of man through the written word and for the word himself. The Holy Spirit, you'll know it's the Holy Spirit because he's saying the same thing as the Son and the same thing as the Father, consistent, in my first parish, I had a man come into my office the first month of ministry. First month of ordained ministry. He walked into my office. I'd never seen him before. He was canvassing the various churches, I think, to try and get an answer he liked. And he sat down in my office and he said to me, very spiritual, the Holy Spirit is leading me to leave my wife and of course, I think I missed seminary class that day when they explained how to respond to that. And I said, so t tell me more. And he said, the Holy Spirit is guiding me to leave my wife uh, and start a new relationship with this godly woman I met down the road. And I remembered, oh, I had been in that class. It's called Bible class. I said, that's not the Holy Spirit. He was furious. 
stood up, started yelling at me, how dare you suggest that I don't know the voice of God when I hear it? And I said, I'll dare to say that because Jesus said in Matthew 19, 6, what God has put together, let no man take asunder, and he doesn't change his mind. That's not the Holy Spirit. Now, he didn't come back the next Sunday for church. Let me be clear. Marriages break down. We have many in this church who've experienced the breakdown of marriage. And it's awful, and it hurts, and it can be forgiven at the foot of the cross. But let's remember that marriage breaks down because of sin. Sometimes sin on one side, sometimes it's mostly one-sided, adultery, addiction, abandonment, or addiction. But sin nonetheless. Don't ever believe that the Holy Spirit leads you to adultery or to any other matter of sin. God is consistent with his word. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just guide us with consistency, Jesus says. How can I know that I'm guided by the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's guidance is always convicting. See, verse 8 of John 16, just before our text today begins, Jesus says, when he comes, the Holy Spirit He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgments. See, legitimate guidance from the Holy Spirit will always include leading us to repentance and faith. If it's the Holy Spirit that is speaking into the heart of a broken, sinful human being, it will always involve repentance and faith. Conviction. Though we are born again, spirit-filled people, we are, as Luther would say, saints and sinners together. We experience the brokenness of sin even as we walk as Christians. And as the Holy Spirit guides us into truth, what's going to happen immediately is we're going to realize how out of step I am with that truth. Again and again, when the Holy Spirit comes into a human life and shows the truth, what he's demonstrating is how out of step that person is with the truth. Which calls for repentance. Which calls for transformation at the foot of the cross. I, on this Father's Day weekend, I can say I experience this as a father on a weekly, daily basis. You know, constantly asking, oh, Lord, would you come and guide me, teach me, show me how to to lead my family well, how to be the father I'm called to be. And and so often it'll be based on a particular issue. You know, Lord, there's this child and there's this issue and I'm laying that out and I'm, Lord, tell me what to do with this child. And he comes and ultimately has much more to tell me about this child in the process. As we have truth come into our lives We butt up against the fact that we are so not in the truth so often. And he leads us firmly and surely to the foot of the cross where that can be forgiven. Repentance. Forgiveness. The difficulty, though, is human beings are incredibly good at when confronted with hard truth that we start recreating that truth to fit our lifestyle, make it easier, that we... In fact, don't want to face the truth. The Oxford English Dictionary every year has a word of the year. Uh, 2016, the word of the year 
for the Oxford English Dictionary, post-truth. It describes an experience saying that maybe truth in itself isn't really a thing. Or even if it is, it's something that's manipulative and something I can change and is relative to you and relative to me. It's a little like the 15-year-old girl who comes over for a pool party and the host mom at the pool party notices that she's got this tattoo on her hip. It's a Japanese character. And, and the girl sees the host mom looking at her and says, don't tell my mother. And the mother says, well, what, what does it even mean? She goes, oh, it means honesty. <laughs> we have an incredible ability to twist our own new truth in order to avoid the hard truth that the Holy Spirit brings us to. The only solution is the gospel. The only solution is to give in to that conviction he places in us as he brings us to the foot of the cross. And there, at the death and the resurrection of Jesus, can we find both a place to repent, to find forgiveness, and then the strength to move forward. See, verse 13, interestingly, goes on to say, that part of what the Holy Spirit will disclose to us, he says, he will declare to you the things that are to come. And, and commentators have gone all over the place about what exactly does that mean? I mean, is it about the end times? Is it about the age of the church? You know, the Holy Spirit will guide the Nicene fathers to write creeds and the councils and the rest, and we believe all of that. But commentators have also said probably the best understanding of what the things that are to come he's talking about is the fact that here he is in his last supper discourse with his disciples describing what's coming in chapters 18, 19, and 20. He's about to go to his death. He's about to die for you and for me because of our brokenness, because of our inability to walk in the truth. And then rise from the dead victorious, giving new life to us. And there's an argument that what the Holy Spirit really is doing, what Jesus is referring to, is he will constantly bring back the death and resurrection of the Son of God. It's not just that the death and the resurrection of the Son of God is at the center of salvation history. It's at the center of your life and my life and every decision moment we have if we are walking with Jesus. Again and again, we are brought back to the only place where we can be forgiven of our untruths. And made new. He is in the process of making you and me to become like him. And it takes the death and resurrection of the Son of God to accomplish that. That's why we celebrate Eucharist every time we gather. The Holy Spirit, if it is the Holy Spirit guiding us, will always be bringing us to a place of conviction. Sin, repentance, transformation, and faith. You know, one of the Marks of the East African revival, interestingly, is this call to repentance. The East African revival, which we've experienced so much more of in the last 10 years within this movement of Anglicanism, renewed Anglicanism in North America, the East African revival, which is the longest-running revival in history, powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit, powerfully transforming lives, transforming communities, transforming nations, one of the early uh, recorders of the East African Revival, appropriately named Joe Church, who was an uh, English 
missionary medical doctor, he wrote this about the East African revival. He said, people often think that revival is the roof blowing off. But he says, revival is actually about the bottom falling out. Revival is about an awareness of our brokenness that leads us to repentance. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Grabbing us sinners as we are, revealing how broken and how out of step with the truth we are, and then calling us to his cross, offering us forgiveness and new life as those who are being remade into the image of the Son. See, the Holy Spirit, if he is truly guiding us, will always be in the business, always in the business of being consistent. Consistent with the Father, consistent with the Son, consistent with what God has spoken in his word. But the Holy Spirit will also, as he guides us, be convicting us, always bringing repentance and faith at the center of each and every decision. But finally, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit is guiding us, it will always be about glorifying Christ. Christ being glorified. Christ being magnified. Christ being elevated. Verse 14, Jesus says, he will glorify me. We could spend a year just on that phrase. What does it mean that the Spirit will glorify Jesus, the Son? It means that the Holy Spirit's goal the Holy Spirit's joy is always to magnify and glorify the Son. It's all about Jesus being lifted high. And therefore, when the Holy Spirit is guiding us, he will always be magnifying Jesus. As the Holy Spirit guides us into truth, as you and I are facing moments of decision, discernment moments, again and again, he's going to bring us the truth. And you know what's amazing about the truth is that Jesus is not just the word become flesh. John's gospel will say that he's the truth become flesh. Jesus is the truth. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only begotten son full of grace and truth. John 8, Jesus says in verse 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, before Pilate, John 18, verse 37. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate responds, what is truth? Jesus is the truth made flesh. And therefore, if the spirit of truth is coming to guide us into what is true, he is guiding us to Jesus. Again and again, what we will see in our decision-making moments, if the spirit is guiding us, is that Jesus' life and his way is always right is always good, is always the best way, even if it takes us to our deaths. Every moment, every decision, the truth in the situation will look like Christ. His way is always the way.
And that's what the Holy Spirit's doing, magnifying Jesus. If you go to Montreal in Canada and you want to go see the old homes of Montreal, there are beautiful old structures. But if you're going to do a tour, you must do it in the evening. Because at nighttime, the tour buses take you through the old homes and they have carefully placed little spotlights on the grass, on the grounds, that will shine up strategically on the buildings to show the architectural lines and shape and contours and molds, stuff you would never see in daylight. But because of that little spotlight, suddenly you can see the glory of that line in symmetry. And this is what the Holy Spirit is doing for Jesus always, shining on Jesus, magnifying Jesus more than you realized before. How beautiful, as William Barclay will say, we find under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' inexhaustibleness. There's always more beauty to discover. As Jonathan Edwards, to paraphrase Jonathan Edwards, he once said that religious people find Jesus useful. Gospel people find Jesus beautiful. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, magnifying and lifting up Jesus. Jesus and his way is always the truth. How can I know that I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit? At a moment of decision, at a fork in the road, in a complex dilemma, I cling to this promise John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That truth is consistent with his word. That truth is convicting and will transform us at the foot of the cross. And that truth will always glorify Christ. Bigger, brighter, more beautiful, fairest Lord Jesus. Ten years ago, we're part of a movement that ten years ago, we believed we were being guided by the Holy Spirit. We believed that the Holy Spirit was coming upon Anglicans in North America and calling us to live faithfully into a movement, a new church for the sake of North America and the world. And that movement was that movement, that guidance by the Holy Spirit was consistent with God's word, keeping the church faithful to his word. That movement was convicting. There was a whole lot of repentance and faith found. Man, did we have to lay stuff down at the foot of the cross. And that Holy Spirit moment 10 years ago continued to magnify Christ. I remember sitting at my very first gathering within the Anglican Church in North America, and I wept through the entire worship service to see the church magnify Jesus. But though the Holy Spirit guided us 10 years ago, and though we celebrate that 10 years this week with much celebration, 
We earnestly must call on the Holy Spirit to be guiding us into the next 10 years and the next 10 years after that. Oh, would we be a people who can discern well because how Jesus teaches us that we know when we are being guided by the Holy Spirit. Lord, keep us faithful. Come, Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, and guide your church today. Me, you, individually and corporately. Guide us, spirit of truth, into all truth for your glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.